We're in the year of 2021, right? This year of becoming. And when we laid out a bunch of different series, we knew that there was going to be some breaks in between, and we wanted to weave a bunch of Jesus-centric, best of John stuff, right? You open up the Gospel of John and you say, man, Jesus was powerful here and here and here and here. And we keep grabbing those and doing those as one-offs. Well, I'm going to do one of those with you today. And I, the bottom line is, is I entitled today's message, Becoming a Follower. And that's not super popular these days. Everything's about independent. It's all about me. I know everything. I'm, you know, I don't need to rely on anybody else. I'm not a follower, which is super funny because everybody's following something, right? Uh, but everyone wants to pretend, but not me, man. I don't need anybody. I'm the boss of my life and I know how to do everything right. Here's the problem. We serve an almighty God. Are you telling me that you know better than he does? Come on, that doesn't even make any sense. That's absurdity. What we need to do is learn how to be better followers of the one that knows everything. We need to be better followers, and for some of us, that's a learning curve. We've tried so hard to be the boss. It's hard to be a good follower. But when this whole world is about God and it's his agenda, shouldn't we ask him? Shouldn't we hear from him? Shouldn't we follow him? Because he knows what we need. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to begin laying the foundation or the context of everything Jesus is about to say by looking in the Old Testament. Would you turn with me to one of the most famous passages? And that is Psalm 23. Psalm 23, right? You might know this. Some of you guys got this memorized. I'm a little screwed up on this passage. I memorized it as a child, right? And I was told it originally in like a King James version. Then I memorized it in the NIV 84. That was the one that I had in my head. And all of a sudden I'm reading out of the ESV. Man, I don't even know what it says anymore. Right? Is there a thee or a thy or a thou? What's going on here? So I'm going to give it to you the best way I know how. Maybe you know this one. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and truly my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know that one? That's a good one, yeah? Amen. That's one we just need to soothe our spirit a little bit. The very idea of God being a shepherd was pretty well locked in in the Jewish mindset. God had used it of himself. You look at the Old Testament prophets, they knew it. Old Testament history books, they knew it. So this idea that God was the great guide, the protector, the provider, that he would lead you and walk with you through life, that was already locked into their psyche. There's one thing that's true always about shepherds and sheep. Sheep don't lead shepherds. There's no story that goes like this. And then the shepherd was totally lost. And he was like, little sheep, help me. I have no idea what I'm doing. 
There is no story like that. That would be dumb. It's always that unless the shepherd leads and guides, the sheep are in trouble. If that's true, then why is it that we still have this attitude that we have good ideas for our life that God needs to pay attention to, right? I mean, a lot of our prayers are like, God came up with another one, not to say that you don't know what you're doing, not to say that. All I'm saying is I know me, right? And, and what I'm trying to say is that if you would lean a little more my way, you know what I mean? There's a couple things that I need that you may not be aware of. These types of things are silly, he knows stuff about you you don't know about you. He already knows every word you're going to say before it comes off your tongue. That The very idea that you're notifying him or that you got a better plan than he does when you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows all of it. So we need to learn if it's really about God and not about us, and we really need to learn how to follow him, listen to him, understand him, and do you realize this life isn't about us? Have we all kind of locked that one in yet? It's really about God. We are here to partner with him doing his stuff because he's the only one with all the pieces. So in one way, that's kind of sobering. In another way, it's kind of freeing that it's really about God, that it's not just about us, like everything's about us. In one sense, it's sobering because God's inviting you into something super important right? The very idea that the Almighty would say, I want you to be a part of something with me, and we're going to alter the course of the world. Man, that should be so motivating. Every day you get up, you're like, God, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? This is exciting. Let's go. Like, I want to change a life. I want to do something that has eternal significance. It should be so sobering to realize you are involved in something of great magnitude. But in the other sense, it's kind of freeing, yeah? I mean, he's in charge of the outcomes. If it was his idea and his plan and his agenda and his priorities, ultimately the outcome is on him, not on you. You didn't even bring up the idea. It wasn't your idea in the first place. I mean, we have this heavy weight that's on our shoulders that's totally inappropriate. Oh, I got I to gotta save all my kids. You were never going to save any of your kids. That was always his idea. The very reason you want your children saved is because God wants them saved. He's working on it. Oh, I, I don't know what's happening with our nation. Oh, like you're going to fix it. Right? Oh, it's heavy. Everything's falling apart. Yeah, God knows that. So he would like you to do your part, but not carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. That's not for you. This whole idea about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen in the future, he is in charge of the outcome. Just do your part. Joyfully. Expectantly. There is a serious danger in trying to outthink God. Have you noticed this? Let's talk about the Garden of Eden. What really was the problem in the Garden of Eden? What got them into so much trouble? Now, if You've heard any of my teaching on, on women, you know that I kind of believe that Eve was the brains of the operation. How do I know that? Well, because if Satan can take her down, it's a combo pack. You're going to get that dude because she was always right before. Why would he bother questioning? So the minute he took her down, Adam didn't say a word. He just rolled with it. It's like, well, that's kind of weird. So what got Eve into trouble? 
Well, she's super smart. So she gets into something and she tries to outthink God. That's a terrible idea. Okay, let, let's, let's put it into perspective. God only gave Adam and Eve like three instructions. Let's imagine on their fridge, written in crayon, are three things. Be fruitful and multiply. They're like, yeah, working on it. <laughs> Number two, subdue the world. That's going to take a while. Number three, don't eat that fruit. Right? That's all you got on your fridge, man. It's, uh, there is not a lot of complication. God didn't stutter. Everybody's like, oh, it's pretty clear. Yeah, all right, cool. So she goes in, she's sitting around, hanging out by the tree, and up slithers a snake that talks. Weird. And she's like, huh, that snake there's got a good point. The snake never has a good point. What are you doing? Why are we talking about this? She's like, now that I'm thinking about it, God may be a little off on this one. Maybe there's something he's holding out on me. Maybe I need to... Okay, the fact that she got into the dialogue about it, she was doomed. Do you realize that thousands of years later, that got replayed? This time it wasn't in a paradise, it was in a desert. You guys remember this? Jesus' desert temptation? 40 days, 40 nights. Super hungry. It's a dusty location. He's tired. Up slithers Satan again, right? Hey, man, I can make things all good for you. What does Jesus say? He answers him three times. What are the answers? Nope, nope, nope. That's it. Bible says nope. Bible says nope. Bible says nope. We're not having this conversation. You and I are not dialoguing. I know what my father said, and it's not talking to you. So it's seen. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we're not getting into this. But imagine, what if you're super smart, right? Because that's how we do that. We kind of figure out how I can have a little bit of everything. So let's say you're super smart. I'm going to suggest to you that Jesus was a genius. And I would be so tempted if I'm Jesus going, angels, watch this. I'm going to mess with this dude's head. Like, I am going to bend this guy into a pretzel. Like, he's going to come up and challenge me? I am the son of God. How did he handle it? We're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. I looked at my fridge, and it says, don't talk to you. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. How much healthier would we be if we would just do that basic concept, but we start getting all up in our heads? I can think of a better way. There's more for me. I can do more. Right? Uh, that's where we get into trouble. So we got to learn to listen to God, right? The Bible talks about faith. Faith is so important. But if you realize, it says faith comes by hearing. You can't have faith without a revelation, without God saying something. So how are you going to hear what he has to say? you got to learn to hear the voice of God, and then you can follow that voice. That leads us to the fill-in-the-blank on the sheet in front of you. If you are watching online, just go ahead and fire up the app. You can do the fill-in-the-blank as well. Here it is. We have to hear to obey. We have to hear... To obey. You can't obey if you don't know what he told you. So one of the things we have to become excellent at is hearing and discerning the voice of God. How in the world are we supposed to be good followers if we're not tracking on his voice? That doesn't make any sense. So we're going to spend an awful lot of time today learning how to hear the voice of God. And then you understand the benefits of that. Most important question you must continually ask yourself, write this down. 
What is God saying? What is God saying? Man, you say that over and over and over. Every day you get up, what is God saying? That is your primary question. Notice I didn't say, what has God said? I said, what is God saying? I have quoted no pastor more than the pastor I'm about to quote. You've heard it before, you'll hear it again. I don't even know who the guy was. All I know is I was in a luncheon years ago. This pastor stands up, says a line I'll never forget. If Abraham would have done what God said, Isaac should be dead. Let it soak in. Why? Well, I don't know. Was God clear that Abraham was supposed to kill his son? Yeah, it was black and white. He said, I want you to take your only precious chosen son, and I want you to take him to Mount Moriah. I want you to put him on the altar, and I want you to sacrifice him. Was any of that unclear? Nope. Then why isn't Isaac dead? Because he didn't stop listening. You see, here's kind of how the story went. Uh, hey, Isaac, you want to go camping? Well, why am I bringing all this wood? Oh, it's cool. I'll tell you later. Right? He was about to sacrifice his son when God said, hold up. See that? There's a ram caught in the bushes. I have provided a sacrifice. Don't sacrifice your son. Sacrifice this animal, and we're all good. That was a test of your faith. What's the point? Had he gone off old information and said, I already know what God said. I'm not listening anymore. Bad things happen. You always listen. That God is continually giving you more of the story, more of the picture, more of that revelation of saying, I have more to it. I need you to keep listening. You see, because if we don't, we get into trouble. Jesus shows up after thousands of years of Jews doing things one way, and he comes in and he's like, yeah, we're changing that. Like, I have more to the story. I'm bringing in a new covenant, and I'm starting to switch things up. Like, that whole sacrificial system, I'm actually the sacrificial lamb. I'm the one that's going to die for you. They're like, uh-uh, we don't do that. I already know what God said. I'm not listening. La, 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 la. I already have everything nailed down. I'm already right. If you are so locked up into you being right, you're not listening anymore. Yeah? And that's dangerous territory because God's got more to say. So we have to always say, what is God saying? And that's going to transform our lives. If we're going to become who God made us to be, we need to follow the voice of God. Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit is always on the move. You got to know when he turns left. You got to know when he goes straight. You got to know when he turns right. You go, but I can't see him. Yeah, that's why a couple weeks ago I talked about how the birds know how to, what, ride the wind currents. Yeah, they can't see it either, but they know the movements. They know how to shift over to this and rise and fall. We need to be men and women of God that know when God's blessing and movement is going somewhere. We need to be able to say, I need to see that open door. I got to see that open window. I got to see that as a closed door. That is a closed window. We have to be able to discern and know where God is going. Because if not, we're going to end up in a dry place. 
And when you're in a dry place, that's not good. You start getting detached from God. You start thinking things don't matter. You start thinking Christianity is boring and you check out. You know why it got boring? You didn't keep in step with the Spirit. He had more adventure for you. He had more excitement for you. He had more revelation for you. You're not getting any of that. You thought you knew it all, saw it all, and you checked out. That's not Christianity. So how do we hear the voice of God? I'm going to give you six ways that God communicates to us. If you're a note taker, you got to write these down. These are very, very important. Six most common ways that God communicates to us, and we definitely need to hear the voice of God. All right, so number one, write this down, God's word. God's word. That's when God directs through the Bible, right? Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The living, active Bible. Jesus was called the word. The Bible is called the word. That's not an accident. Jesus is moving through and transforming us and changing us through his word. Paul said it this way to Timothy. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When you got a book that can do all that, you got to know the book. Does that make sense? I mean, if you have a Bible that is living and active, and it can at one single time deliver multiple messages to people all over the place, that's a magical book. I could read one passage and person on this side gets convicted. Person on this side is encouraged. Somebody on this side just heard the Holy Spirit bring up something totally new. That was out of one passage. I can't do that. I'm a preacher. God can do that through his word. It's why Bridgeway has constantly made a priority of reading the word of God. It's why we expository and we teach through that because I know that whatever things I'm gonna come up with are not quite as brilliant as what God was gonna come up with. We spend a lot of time reading God's word, talking about God's word, talking about the history, talking about the context. Why? Because God locked and loaded us with power and authority. It's in God's word. We gotta know this stuff. The main reason is because when you start hearing God's voice through his word and know what he likes and what he doesn't like, it sets a tone in your mind that if you hear something different, a little alarm goes off. And you're like, ah, that's not right. I don't know why that's not right, but that don't sound right to me. That's important. Number two, God speaks through church leadership. When God directs us through trusted and godly church leadership. In Numbers 27, in the Old Testament, there was a problem. Moses was going to step out of leadership. That is a serious problem because Moses was the man. Moses was a miracle worker. He was a prophet. He was a powerful leader. So what's Israel going to do without him? He's been leading them for 40 years. Well, he knew that was going to be a problem. So he has a conversation with God about it. It goes something like this, number 27, Numbers 27, 15. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let Yahweh, the God of all the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over this congregation who will go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in. 
so that the congregation of Yahweh may not be like a sheep that has no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, you're right. Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Holy Spirit, lay your hand on him. Make him the next leader. Good godly leadership, their whole focus is how do I be a conduit for the voice of God? Do you understand who fills the pulpit in this church? Whoever fills the pulpit in this church, we are all a little paranoid. We are scared out of our minds that we would ever lead anyone astray. So you know how we handle stuff around here? We have a prayer team that prays over us for Sunday nights, I mean, Saturday night services, prays over us for Sunday services. You know how those prayers go? Pastor, what can I pray for you about? You know what? Pray that anything that is wrong in my message gets eliminated. Nobody remembers any of the garbage that I'm doing my best, but I'm a human being. God, purify, move through the message, be a direct connection to have a date with your kids. If you can pull me out of the total picture, great, as long as they get a chance to hear from you. Lord, I don't want bad doctrine in there. I don't want any uh, of my own earthly wisdom that is just my own opinion. Lord, would you purify so that everyone can feel like they had a date with God? That's what we're praying about. We take this stuff so seriously because when we walk up here, we don't need you to have such a heavy filter on that you're not sure what you can trust. We would love to say, listen, we're gonna try to do the hard work. Of course, you always have to have a filter on, I get it. I would encourage that. But we're gonna go out of our way to try to make sure that you get the pure word as much as possible. That's our goal. Because we know that's how God directs. Number three, the Holy Spirit's internal voice. The Holy Spirit's internal voice. That's when God goes direct to you. Does he still do that? Yes, he does. Interesting, I had an eight-year-old girl come up right to the stage a couple years ago right here. She said, Pastor, how can I hear the voice of God? Did you ask that question at eight? How do I hear the voice of God? I said, well, let's try to make this a little easier. When you became a Christian, where did Jesus go? She said, well, I asked him into my heart. Oh, so he's inside. She said, yeah. I said, okay, cool. So it probably wouldn't make sense that he would use an external sound system. So we always think of hearing God with our ears, but that doesn't make any sense. That's only if he's on the outside. So periodically, people would hear the voice of God externally, but it's very, very rare. Why? He usually talks from the inside out. But if he's talking from the inside out, that's a new way to listen. That means it's going to be in your thoughts and in the impressions on your heart. You have to learn how to discern that and figure that out. Man, what's me? What's the enemy? What's God? Like, I'm trying to figure this stuff out all the time. How do I discern the voice of God? But all of a sudden, things are going to, dots are going to get connected in your mind. You're going to have these ideas, and you're going to have these new revelations where you're like, oh my goodness, I don't even know where I came up with that. What, you thought you were brilliant? The Holy Spirit is like feeding you stuff constantly, right? And he's going, hey, did you put this together? Oh, look. Oh, you're talking to somebody at Starbucks. Boom. All of a sudden, a scripture pops in your head. He brought that up. He ran into your little library, pulled out that verse, and gave it to you right at the exact moment. The Holy Spirit is constantly talking internally. We just have to learn how to listen. Jesus promised it. John 14, 25, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, 
But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Who's our primary teacher? The Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, man, I got a lot of stuff out. I taught you a lot of stuff, but there's a lot more, you guys. So I have to go, but the Holy Spirit is going to take off where I left off. Okay? He's got a lot more to teach you. So are you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? Number four, wisdom of godly counselors. Wisdom of godly counselors. That's when God speaks through knowledgeable advisors in our life. Going back to Moses, Moses was leading Israel. He was doing a great job, but it wasn't very efficient. His father-in-law, Jethro, comes to work with him. And he's like, Moses, hey, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, sure, Dad, what's up? Well, man, I appreciate you, buddy. You are killing it out there. Like, you are working from morning till night. Here's my problem. That's not sustainable. Like, you're going to wear yourself out, and then you're no good for anybody. So he's like, well, Dad, what do you suggest? And he said, okay, I think we need a system. I think we need some organization here where, how about this? Everybody's got a bunch of stuff they need to talk about. Really, it's, you shouldn't be handling that part. So we're going to have kind of layers, strata layers, where leaders would hear everybody's stuff, and then the most important things kind of go up the chain, and eventually they get to you. Well, Dad, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to implement that. And he did. And Israel was healthy for it. Do you have knowledgeable people helping you through life? We have a pretty sizable family here. Part of the connections is us helping each other just get through life a little bit better. I got a buddy in this church that, that knows everything about houses. Man, I know nothing about houses. I am addicted to YouTube. Anything that breaks in my house, I got to watch a YouTube video to figure it out, right? How do you flush the toilet? YouTube. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing, but I happen to have a buddy who knows what he's doing. And so we're trying to figure out, oh, there's leaks in my shower. What's going on? Oh, we got to cut open the ceiling, oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know any of that stuff. So once again, I'm talking about even just practical. Sometimes you're like, Lord, oh, I'm really having a hard time with this practical problem. And he's like, yeah, I know. That's why I gave you friends. Oh, I don't need friends. I, uh, friends are too much drama, and uh, uh, you know all those Christian people. They got all these hangups and blah. You realize that Christianity cannot be solo, yeah? I mean, we are supposed to be together for practical and spiritual reasons. We need each other. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where there's no guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Please don't ever arrive at the place where you know it all because that's only what fools say. Number five, revelation from the Christian community. Revelation from the Christian community. That's when God speaks through another spirit-filled believer with you. In the New Testament, this guy pops up. His name is Agabus. He shows up into Paul's ministry to do some prophecy. Now, first lesson, if you're pregnant right now, please don't name your child Agabus. That is a horrible name, and everyone will make fun of them. Lesson number two, Agabus comes in and he's like, there's going to be a famine and, and he tells everybody, okay, you guys got to prepare for this. And then he comes up the next time. He's like, Paul, can I borrow your belt? And he ties it around his hands. He's like, you're going to get arrested in Jerusalem and this is what you're looking forward to. And 
Okay, here's what's so fascinating about that story. Not just that he saw the future, but why didn't Paul? Okay, so Paul is about the most spiritually gifted dude besides Jesus that ever walked this planet. When he was talking uh, to the church in Corinth, he was like, man, you guys speak in tongues? I speak in tongues more than everybody. I have seen stuff that will blow your mind. I am a walking prophet. I know the Holy Spirit's voice. I have the ability to lay my hands on and heal tons of people. And God didn't tell him at all. Told him through Agabus. That's weird. And you're like, well, but I, I, I'm really connected to God. and I God's holding out on you. You know why? Because he wants his kids to get together. That's a simple reason. Well, he could go direct to me. Yeah, he could. He just won't. Do you realize we all look back at people like King David and we're like, man, he had such a cool life and he was so gifted and he was the apple of God's eye and God talked to him all the time. Hold up. Very rarely did God ever talk to David directly. Every time it says God said something to David, it was through either Nathan or Gad, his two prophets. God didn't go direct. Could he have? Yes. Did he want to? No. So once again, if you are not in community, there's a bunch of answers you're looking for you're not going to get because he's going to hold out on you. He wants another believer to be the one to deliver the message. Once again, we can't be alone. It doesn't make any sense. Last one, number six. Just write down faithful following. Faithful following, that's when God uses circumstances to direct us, and we just need to be faithful in the process. Is it possible that God would move world situations around and local situations around to guide and direct us? Does that happen? Yeah, how do you think you're here, right? Let me tell you a story from the Old Testament. So Abraham had a son named Isaac, the same guy that we're talking about the sacrifice thing. And Isaac was growing up and he wasn't married. And he's like, man, I gotta get a, gotta get a wife for my son, but I don't want one from around here. This isn't our people. So I actually need to send a messenger a little ways away to go find a wife for my kid. So he grabs his servant and he's like, hey, here's the job. I need you to go get a wife for my son. How awkward is that mission? Uh, what kind do you want? <laughs> Female. Okay, cool, cool. Um, what's she look like? Yeah, I don't know. Personality? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't even think I've talked to my son about this. But I, I just need you to go get one. But get a good one. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. So all of a sudden, he goes away into another area he's probably never been to before. And he's like, got to go find a wife. Got to find a wife. Got to find a wife. Right? And he's like, I don't know where I'm going to find a wife. There's not like a wife store I can go to. So I'm like, I don't even know how to get in connection to women. We are, men and women are super separate in that society. Where am I supposed to go hang out with women and find this lady, right? And he's like, wait, the well. Everybody needs to drink. So I'm going to go to the bar. <laughs> he goes up to the well. 
And he's sitting at the well, and he's like, all right, God, I don't know how this is going to work. This is super creepy. Um, okay, what am I like supposed to do? Hey, everyone that comes up, right? Like, uh, you single? Okay, that was weird. Why are you wearing a trench coat? Something's off with you, right? So he doesn't know how he's supposed to handle this. So he prays, and he's like, God, okay, I'm sure you have a brilliant idea. I don't know what that is. So I have an idea, and I would love for you to rubber stamp my idea. Here's my idea. All right, so like uh, a girl comes up. And she's going to get a drink of water. And I'm like, oh, hey, can you get me a drink of water? Because I'm like traveler guy. And then she's like, oh, yeah, totally. And can I get anything for your camels? That'll be it. That's like our magic word. How about that one, God? It says, before he finished praying that prayer, all of a sudden up walks Rebecca. And he's like, okay, let's try this out. Let's try this out. I hope this works. Hey, can you give me a drink? She's like, yeah, totally. Can I get anything for your camels? He's like, yeah, that's the one. Bam, nailed it. Thank you, God. That was awesome. And sure enough, they ended up getting married. All right, so that whole circumstances, moving around, Rebecca, you have to understand, Rebecca was on her way before he prayed the prayer. You guys tracking with me? Like God is moving and orchestrating. Are you able to discern the movements of God? That's the kind of people we need to be. If we're going to become who God made us to be, I say it again, we need to follow the voice of God. Would you turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 1, as we start the message? John chapter, 1, John chapter 10, verse 1. A couple of different times Jesus would kind of say, you guys need to know a little bit more about me. I'm kind of a big deal, um, and not in a cocky way, but... I am your only source of life. So we need to have a talk a little bit about who I am. And I know that if I started explaining it to you literally, you probably wouldn't track with me. So I'm going to use metaphors and examples, okay? So he would kind of have his followers there. He would have some religious leaders there. And he'd have these conversations. Well, this is one of them. Here's how it goes. John 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, calls out his own sheep by name, leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger, they're not going to follow. They will run away from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. Now, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said, all right, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know what cracks me up? Jesus is perhaps one of the greatest storytellers of all time, and people had no clue what he was talking about. Here's kind of how it went. Okay, everybody, uh, story time. Cool, gather up. All right, so I'm, and he tells the story. Sure enough. Uh, yes, Ezekiel. I have a question. I know, that's why you raised your hand. Uh, are you a shepherd or a door? Well, actually, Ezekiel, that was two different analogies. So in one, I was a shepherd, 
and then I was a door. <laughs> yes, Mary. If you're a door, how do you walk and lead the sheep? Once again, hun, that was two different analogies. We had that I was a shepherd in one, and then I'm a door in the other one. Ezekiel? Yeah. I don't understand. I can see that on your face. Okay, this is how all Jesus' messages went, right? And I'm like, well, this makes me feel better. Because what if he didn't do it well? What chance do we as preachers have? I wish I could record your faces when I'm preaching. There's all the... <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Jesus didn't have any better shot than I did. All right, that's cool. All right, here's what he said. He's like, all right, kids, get together. Here's all I'm talking about. Now, I'm the shepherd guy. Remember, there's a little sheep pen. We all know what they look like. They're all over town. Cool. So what happens is, is if I'm a shepherd, I take my sheep out during the day, and then I bring them back in, and I lock them in at night, and there's that guy that watches the door, right? Okay, cool. So when I come in, like in the morning, I'm like, hey, Bob. And he's like, what's up, Rick? And I'm like, yeah, I got to get my sheep out. And he's like, cool. So he opens the door for me, and we're like, come on, little guys. And he's coming in like Gertrude's still sleeping right and he's like Gertrude wake up right she's like oh the little sheep and she starts going out he gives her a little bit of coffee and then they go on out and he's like I'll see you in a little bit Bob and he's like bye Rick and then he said we go out and we have a little adventure and we're eating a little bit of grass and we're hanging out and getting a little bit of water and then at nighttime I'm like all right guys come on in here and then we put him night night he's like all right everybody on with me that was it Okay, cool. So as long as we know that story, if you just imagine some dude just starts climbing over the wall and like her, holding sheep over his head, you know something's wrong. How come he doesn't have the clicker to the gate? Right? So he would be a bad guy. Everyone's like, oh, that's a good point. He's like, yeah, I know. So here's the deal. All the sheep are like, I don't know that guy's voice. I don't want to follow him because you know me. I've been intimately engaged with you, so when you have a relationship with me, there's all these alarms that go off, and you don't follow the bad guys. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He said, do you realize I'm doing this with you every day? Shepherds don't just take off a day where sheep don't eat. I'm coming in every day. Now, that reminds me. Isn't it interesting how much stuff God does day by day? In one way, it's kind of nice because you're like, well, there's more tomorrow. But in another sense, it's kind of frustrating. You guys remember the story of manna? How much manna did they get? A little bit for every day. Oh, look, enough for pancakes. Cool. Right? But then you're like, ah, I don't want to keep going out every day. Like, can I have a whole bunch of manna? It's like, nope. It'll rot. But what if I'm having a party? No. Everybody's got to have a little bit every day. But I just, ah, it's frustrating. Okay, how about prayers? You're praying, there's a little bit of breakthrough, a little bit of breakthrough, a little bit of breakthrough. Lord, my life's a little bit complicated, it's a little bit hard, I'm a little bit of breakthrough. You're like, God, can we just do this all in one shot? There's a way more efficient way to handle this. All you have to do is just do what I tell you to do. <laughs> nope. The Bible says that mercies are new every what? Morning. God, can I just have like, a barrel of mercies. 
And then I'd be like, well, I don't need any today. Today's Wednesday. I feel good today, but I'm going to use two mercies on Thursday. <laughs> nope. Okay, so why does God dole stuff out piece by piece? Relationship. That's it. He knows full well that when he gives you a bunch of stuff, you go off into the corner and do your own thing. You're always looking and praying, God, give me enough so I don't have to connect with you today. That's weird. He goes, no, I'm giving you a little bit by little bit so that you always come back to me and I can teach you lessons along the way. Oh, look, that was a consequence of sin. That's what happens when people say no to me, so I'm going to come in and give you redemption. And you're going to go, wow, God, that's really sweet. And then I'm going to show you what lack means because I'll show you my love by bringing in provision. So if I give you all the stuff, we don't have relationship. And I want to have relationship with you. That's why. Then it says, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Out of a crowd, you can pick out people's voices that you've had connection with, yeah? There's a whole... I mean, it's so interesting, like even at a ball game, thousands of people in there, but somebody shouts your name and you listen immediately. Oh, I know that. I know who that is. And you immediately recognize it. Do you recognize God's voice like that? Because our world is full of noise. It's full of people's opinions. It's full of people talking. Everybody's saying about what's going on. Are you tracking on... God's voice. That's really the voice I'm interested in, right? It, now, if it's about regular practical stuff, I'm willing to list all, listen to all kinds of advice. But when it comes to how should I order my life, I really only care about God's opinion. So if you're not a person that's going to seek God's will and his best for me, I don't care what you think. You're not trustworthy, so when everybody's talking about all this stuff about who we should be and how we should act and you got to be part of this group and part of that group and you got to do this for the future and you got I don't care unless you're seeking God and you're seeking my best interest. I don't need to be manipulated. I don't need to be played. I don't need to figure out your agenda. I just want to hear from my Lord. And if you will help me do that, I'll listen to you. Otherwise... There's no point. Make sense? He said, yeah, on that other story, I was the door. Here's what it means. We all know that sheep aren't great at climbing walls. So they come in through the gate and they go out through the gate. There's little blessings outward and there's little blessings inward, but they always have to go through the gate. Yeah. That wasn't so hard, right, kids? Okay. So here's the thing. I'm the gate. If you want blessing and life and heaven, you only got one guy to go through. I'm the only Messiah that showed up. I know you keep hearing all this, oh, well, so-and-so believes in a different religion, and they're doing great, and all religions lead to heaven, and you know what? They're all the same anyway, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's all garbage. There's one way. I'm not trying to be narrow-minded, I'm not trying to, I'm just the only guy that died for you. And you can't get to heaven unless I clean your sin up. So I'm the only gate that the sheep get to go through. 
That was all I was trying to say. Oh, right? Some of us just need to hear this message today. He's a really good shepherd, and he's been watching over you really well. He watches you when you sleep. He protects you. He provides for you ahead of time. He gives you breath. He gives you friends. Well, I don't have all the friends I... I know. But he helps you out. He listens to you complain. He gives you a gentle answer. He is a good God and a good shepherd. And he's so into you. He loves you so deeply. And he slows down the whole world. He literally listens to you be concerned about stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, he's the God of all creation. Nothing bothers him. And you're like, Lord, I'm freaking out. Instead of going, well, don't, that's stupid. He goes, I know, but we got this. And he holds your hand. What an incredible God. What an incredible, amen? Yeah, praise the Lord. And so he said, you know what? My sheep know me. And so here's my question for you. Do you know him? Do you know him personally? For over a quarter of a century, Bridgeway has been dedicated to making this point. We have high respect for people that are moral. We have high respect for people that do good things. But that's not ultimately what we're trying to chase after. We're trying to chase after that you take God personally, that he is personally involved in your life, that you have shared experiences, that you talk to him, that you listen to him, that you walk with him. We are going to consistently push the message that the most important thing is a personal connection with Jesus Christ, right? So do you know him personally? And then the final question as we close out, is what voice are you listening to to shape your life? What voice are you listening to? He said, well, my sheep follow me because they know that I'm going to watch out for them best. If you're listening for the sweet flattery of someone that sounds good, you're in trouble. You want the one that cares for you the most, and that's the voice of God. Are you listening for his voice? So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to conclude, and if you're brand new, then we're having introducing Bridgeway upstairs. I'm going to come up there and, and spend a little bit of time with you, but I would just like to close by praying. And we're just going to pray over all of our hearts that somehow God would open up our ears, that we would be able to hear him more, that we'd be able to discern the movements, that we would get more connected to him, that we would fall in love with him more, right? That's what we're going to pray for, good? And then we'll get out of here. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God. And Jesus, you're such an amazing shepherd. And Holy Spirit, you're such an incredible guide. God, we are enthralled by your power and majesty. And we ask right now that in this holy moment, wherever we're engaging with this message, we pray that right in this moment, you would open our ears so we might hear, open our eyes spiritually that we might see, open up our hearts that we might be able to allow you to give us impressions and thoughts 
that we didn't know before. Lord, the connection to you is most important. May that intimacy get created and we become first fans of yours and then friends of yours. And then ultimately, we can't live without you. God, I pray that that depth of relationship would soak in in all of our lives. Lord, if there are any here that do not yet know you, today's that beautiful day to sweep them off their feet. We pray that you would rescue all of us right here, right now. Let your beautiful sacrifice, Jesus, take care of our sin and that we would walk through your beautiful gate into your presence. Lord, I just know that many of us have been worried about a lot of stuff, like Martha, and you said there's really one thing we need to focus on, and that is you've got it. So right now, Lord, we release the weight of the world off our shoulders. We release the weight of our future and put it into your hands. We release that which is taking up all of our thoughts so we're not even thinking about you, and we release it out. And we say, God, we're going to re-rack right in this moment that you might be glorified. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.